Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, where we endeavor to bring to you the stuff that you're hearing, but with a constitutional and principled perspective with historical truth, not your political party spin. Uh, JC, we talked last week on the Daily Journal about this whole scam of reparations, and um, we got some... I don't think I said scam. You, you said scam. <laughs> I said scam. It's. Oh, you, you, are you saying I, I, it's not a scam? I think it's a scam. Well, first off, I didn't... The YouTuber said, I, you know, that I dismissed the topic as idiotic. I, I don't think... I don't think that and didn't say that. I said the discussion being had was idiotic yeah. because it doesn't address particular questions that need to be addressed. And I characterize it as unworkable. Uh, uh, well, maybe he was talking about me. So I don't know. If maybe I called it a scam, but I think it's a scam anyway. It's I, I, I hadn't. I didn't say that. I'm not saying it's not. I hadn't thought in that yeah. in that realm. I'm just saying it. it it's unworkable. So. Uh, but apparently we we weren't clear enough or thorough enough or whatever. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, and so we're supposed to take some foundational document and prove why it's not fair and equitable and whatever. So I, I'm speaking from uh, personal attachment. Okay. It's not about some some document mm -hmm. written by somebody. It's about a personal attachment. And I I here's the thing. You want to talk about reparations then answer the questions and and then now I'm happy to talk about reparations and the questions I put forth simply who receives reparation how is that determined and no one gives a workable answer if you're gonna tell me it's about um, descendants of slaves mm -hmm. and not skin color then we can move a little further in the discussion and then ask about how you're going to sort that out, because if it's if it's about skin color, what what do you do with the brown skinned slave owners? Right. right. Black people who own black slaves. Uh, you know, how do you deal with that? And, and their descendants, right? Their descendants are slave owners. Right. Or, or they are descendants of a black slave owner. Are you going to give them reparations simply based on their skin color? And what about the white-skinned descendants of slaves, like myself. Okay, what about the white slaves? Hey, hang on now, hang on now. 
let's not veer. Let's 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 just deal with African slavery. OK, I don't want to be accused of changing the subject. We're dealing with African. I slavery. think if we're going to be talking about no, reparations, listen, we got to talk about reparations for everybody that was a slave the, in America. But the topic is African slaves. OK, their, their payment for African slavery. OK, those are separate discussions. Yes, they bear on this discussion. But I'm talking about these people who just simply want to talk about African slavery reparations. Answer these questions about that topic before we even deal with the other topic. OK, so in reference again to African slavery, what about the brown skinned people who settled America in non slaveholding states or who were never slaves? There were free blacks. Right. There is a specific term called free blacks, people who were never slaves and their descendants. Uh, are not the descendants of slaves. How do you deal with that? And I, and so now on the personal side of it, let me tell you a little story. Let me let me give you a little family history, uh, so so you can you can explain to me, all you YouTube uh, ninjas, explain to me uh, how how you sort this out. Since I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? If you watch on YouTube, look, go to the YouTube. You, you're gonna need to look at the YouTube video for this show, okay? And I got a question for you. Which person in this picture of all these people in this picture, which people deserve reparations for African slavery and which do not? Now, that's excluding you, Chrisanne, and, right. and Colton in, in this picture. Mm -hmm. OK, but out of the other people who, who gets reparations for African slavery and who doesn't. OK. And I'll let the cat out of the bag. The man in the well, to my if you're looking at the screen, mm -hmm. upper left, is Washington French, an African slave. That's my great great grandfather. Okay. To the right of his picture, every single person in that picture is a descendant of Washington French. And as you can see, you have every shade of skin color that there is. And again, there's my cousins, the one with you and you all and the Colton ladies, in the middle. All the ladies with Colton. Oh, and you're standing in the back there. This That's is right, at Candace's yeah. wedding. All, mm -hmm. all of those. So all of those people, mm -hmm. aside from Chris Ann and Colton, are descendants of that man in the upper left, Washington French. What about this young lady and her daughter at the bottom of the picture? A very beautiful, blonde-haired, light-eyed young lady with her beautiful, blonde-haired little girl. Above her is her great-great-grandfather, Washington French. She is as white as they come. That's my cousin Angela. She's as pale just about as a whiteboard and, and blonde hair. Okay? So how, how are you going to, how do you sort that out? So does does Angela get some just, you know, just a portion? Right. Because if you start talking about, well, she gets a certain percentage. Right. Who gets full reparation? Angela won't get full reparations because she's not dark skin. OK, well, then we've gone back to skin color rather than than it being about African slavery. All right. Now, let me tell you a personal history about Washington French. Washington French, my great great grandfather that you see on the screen there, he left the plantation in Davies County, Kentucky. He walked a full day to join the Union Army because he was told he was fighting for his freedom. And he went and fought 
in the Civil War. After the Civil War was over, after the Emancipation Proclamation, he did not sit on his backside waiting for 40 acres and a mule. He took the family and he immigrated to Bakersfield, California, where they started a farm growing their own cotton, selling their own cotton and became one of the most successful, in fact, the most successful farm, cotton farm in that area for decades. My uh, grand, great grandfather, Mansion Hall, my black great grandfather, uh, was a successful farmer out, out of this. He bought a brand new car every single year of his life after the Civil War. He had beach he didn't, front. He didn't get. He didn't get money let, from the government to let, do that. Let me let me finish. That's going to become abundantly clear. He had beachfront property in Mexico, okay, that they took vacations to all the time, that he took the whole family to in his brand new car every year. He helped start the NAACP, the first chapter of the NAACP, out in Bakersfield. His descendants inherited all that land, inherited the farm. Our cousin Ruth and Zadie and many of those descendants are still getting money. They still get paychecks. They still get paid off of that inheritance. That farm is being, that farmland that was handed down from my great-great-grandfather, African slave, Washington French, that farmland handed down as an inheritance to his children and, and descendants is being farmed as we speak by white people growing cotton, and they are paying my family because of the inheritance that African slave, my great-great-grandfather, Washington French, handed down to his children. Nearly every one of my family members on the hall side are very successful people. They live practically their entire lives as middle class and upper middle class. My cousin Mark worked for Apple. He's now a music producer. He's bought his wife two Mercedes. His wife works at PG&E, makes good money, has a wonderful, nice house uh, in Sacramento. Uh, my cousin Michelle in the picture there is about to retire from the state as a, as a correctional officer and has a business uh, as a uh, event planner. Okay, I could go on and on and on. Cousin Ruth worked for Citibank. Uh, drives a Lexus, lives in Orlando in a two-story house. These people were successful all of their lives. Mark and Ruth and 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 uh, uh, Byron grew up in San Francisco, the most the highest uh, property value of anywhere, uh, really on the continent, on 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 the planet. Okay. Uh, now, on the other hand, on my mom's side the Irish descendants. My white grandmother, okay, was, uh, on, was one of the daughter, uh, was a daughter of one of the two wives uh, that my great-grandfather on that side had. They were the illegitimate side, the mistress wife. My grand, so my grandmother was shunned and an outcast, grew up absolutely dirt poor. My white grandmother picked cotton in South Georgia, grew up picking cotton. They lived uh, on a sharecropper's farm, okay? My white grandparents lived on a sharecropper's farm working 
that farm for the sharecropper. Okay, so they were less than the sharecropper. Sharecropper. They were the sharecropper's uh, hands. My grandfather, my white grandfather, was literally sold to the Williams family to pay off a loan debt for his mother and father who never received him again. He was literally sold off into slavery in the 1930s, my white grand, uh, grandfather. My mother slept in a, uh, a, a deep freezer, a broken down deep freezer on a bed of moss because my white grandparents couldn't afford to even buy a bed. Okay, now that's the comparison. The white, the, the African side, immensely successful. My white side grew up absolutely dirt poor. Which of them deserve reparations? Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. You know, J.C., I think you bring up a really good point here. The discussion, it, it, it goes off into uh, unmanageable details when we start to discuss what someone deserves or what someone else does not deserve. And that has to, and, and when that, when that, what I deserve and what I don't deserve is based upon somebody's, um, somebody's skin color or uh, somebody's history upon which they have not actually participated in, and and then you ignore the fact that what you have are people who, like like your family, overcame uh, the the challenges that the people who today are trying to collect money for because they deserve something uh, which they did not themselves suffer for, they did not themselves work for. And I'm convinced my great-great-grandfather Washington French, you ask him re about reparations, he would say no, no way. Yeah. I, I know for a fact my great-grandfather Manchin would say no. That was, that was a complete antithesis to the message that he right. preached when he started, when he helped start the NAACP uh, Bakersfield chapter. It was the opposite of that. They were successful. My family, who were descendants of slaves, were successful because they believed in and preached hard work. They believed in and preached education. And, and they took advantage of the opportunities that could only be found in this nation at that time. And they seized those opportunities and they're all successful and they have a heritage of being successful. And, and when you and this is the thing, when you bring up the point, because you do, you bring up the comparison. Why the comparison? Well, it's the and, and let's let's put this all together. OK, because so you're saying these folks are saying so the, all of my successful relatives and the descendants, successful descendants of Washington French are owed something because of something that happened to Washington uh, way back when. OK. Right. And, and, and the 
And the reasoning is because because of slavery, then it then it affected their opportunity and somehow they were disadvantaged because of that being passed down because they no, it didn't happen to them, but it affected them. That's what they would say. Well, and then on the other side of my family, African slavery didn't happen to them or any of their ancestors didn't affect them. But yet they were still in poverty. They were they were more disadvantaged than the other side of my family. Okay. So the point to that is, and when you you rightly bring up this comparison, now you got to deal with these comparisons. Well, it's a matter of what I deserve. No, no. You don't deserve anything you don't work for. Slow down. Slow down. The point I want to make, you bring up the comparisons. Why that's important is because of the effect, because you're pointing to they are pointing to a particular cause for the poverty. Okay, but I got a whole family history of folks that were in slavery, yet not in poverty. So you can't say this effect. It, it's not that effect. And, and then, then the side that was not in slavery, but yet in poverty. So when you when you make those comparisons, then you have to deal with the question of, well, then how can we assign a cause and effect to this particular thing right. when we have examples that contradict your equation? So then that tells us we're going to have to get deeper and do what I'm talking about answer some of these questions because clearly we have not pinpointed exactly what we need to pinpoint to deal with the issue. And that's that's what I'm saying is idiotic about the discussion. We're we're up here at surface level and making making broad sweeping cause and effect statements when when we get down to the details, the argument falls apart. Now, if you want to. And, and so this is the thing. So how how then do you need to have the discussion? Well, then you're going to have to separate these things. You're going to have to say, well, then let's isolate this. So we're not talking about the cause. We're not talking. Well, we're not talking about the effects and the poverty and the disadvantage. Then we're talking about particular things. So now you got to start talking about Jim Crow laws in particular. Uh, people who had these various variables in particular, because it's not a simple binary one for one cause and effect argument. And and that's why I say it's unworkable in the framework that is being discussed. Which, by the way, proves why it is not uh, the role of the government to engage in these activities because government can't do this kind of case-by-case basis. Government has to be cookie cutter. It's all got to fit one shape or it doesn't. And that's why the federal government has no business engaging in this activity to begin with. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris and Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. Hey, I just want to mention to you that we the easy answer here is article section and clause. Because the problem is the federal government doesn't have any authority to take money from anybody and give it to anybody else, regardless of the reason. It, it, even though you, it falls apart, it absolutely falls apart under analysis, you can't even get there because the Constitution does not allow this. Well, it- now, I want to talk about this census case because this is something that's 
that's really important in the news and we're, we're, we have to talk about this to get the, the right story out. I'll, I'll write an article about the redress and property concepts of this thing since, since somebody had a problem with that on the YouTube. <laughs> so we have a Department of Converse, uh, Commerce versus New York. And what we have now is this case where the Supreme Court has thrown out the citizenship question on the census. Now, when you look at this case, JC, as we did, you, you notice that the byline, and that's something that I've been trying to teach people when we go through these cases, this byline thing, is huge. And they want to tell you that this is somehow a unanimous decision. I've been seeing this. Unanimous court throws out the, the census question. It is not a unanimous court in, in the fact that we have uh, everybody is in concurring, but we have a dissenting in part. And the dissenting in part is absolutely huge, JC. It's absolutely amazing. Thomas writes the dissenting opinion in which Gorsuch and Kavanaugh join in. And uh, it, I'll just let the cat out of the bag here. Thomas flat out accuses Robert's... Uh, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan of absolutely becoming politically active justices. So the question here, which uh, is about this census question, and the uh, the question becomes, sorry, I jumped around. What does the census, what does the Constitution allow? So if you have it up here on YouTube, I have Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of the Constitution, which describes the census. Now, JC, we did a census show. We actually did a census show, and I have articles on chrisannhall.com on the census. So we're not going to get into the whole history of the census. But as a review, the purpose of the census is twofold. Number one, to to apportion taxes among the states, which is irrelevant now because we don't collect taxes from the states, we collect taxes from the people, and to, uh, to make sure that the number of representatives in our republic reflect the population of the people in their districts, okay? And the role of this case. Remember, the Supreme Court is not supposed to be discerning the facts of the case. They're supposed to be discerning whether the government followed the law or not. And the role in the case, as Thomas says, is to uh, decide whether the secretary complied with the law and gave a reasoned explanation for his decision. Now, the court the majority court, this is where uh, Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch agree with the majority court. The majority court says yes. The Secretary of Commerce exercised his authority over the census that, and he complied with the law and gave a reasoned explanation for his decision. Everybody agrees with that. Now, Gorsuch, Thomas, and Alito say that's where our inquiry should end. Well, the majority court overturns this based on, you're not going to believe this, they said regardless of the fact that, the, that the, the secretary followed the law, 
regardless of the fact that history proves that we have asked this census question since 1820, we feel like, and I'm, I'm seriously, this is what they say, we feel like something's missing. We feel like the secretary profiled this year in, in, in creating the census question. So we've had a census question since 1820, and now the census question being brought by this particular guy is racist. And so we're going to throw it out. That's exact. I mean, they said he followed the law. They said he did it uh, inconsistent. He did it consistent with history. But, you know, we feel like this might not work. OK, so I want to show you something about this majority opinion because it's absolutely ridiculous. The they claim. Right. Let's go back here to this slide, JC. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3. It's a very detailed piece of the Constitution. I mean, I'll admit there are some portions of the Constitution that are not detailed. This is very detailed. Mm -hmm. It is very, very detailed. Well, the court says that this, this clause, this Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of the Constitution authorizes broad census authority so that we can ask any question, uh, so that the government can ask any question that it wants. And that its purpose is to not only apportion representatives, but also to allocate federal funds to the states. <clears throat> the census serves as a mean of collecting demographic information, <clears throat> which is used for varied purposes as computing federal grant in aid benefits. Mm -hmm. Drafting of legislation. Why would legislation be drafted based on demographics? That is not equal protection under the law. These are the words of the Supreme Court justices as the purpose of the census. In regional planning, what in stinking heaven's name does the, does the federal government have to do with regional planning, business planning, academic and social studies? This is what the Supreme Court says that is the purpose of the census. He says in 2010, this is Justice Roberts, right? Justice Roberts, they, they, I swear to you, they put him in charge of writing cases that need magical opinions. Yep. Okay? So if you have Affordable Care Act, you need some kind of magical conjuring. Yep. Roberts is going to be writing this opinion. He's the and Stephen that's what, King he, of the oh, Supreme Court. He is, yes, absolutely, the Stephen King of the Supreme Court. We need a novel. He says, all households received the same questionnaire, which asked about se sex, age, race, Hispanic origin, uh, living arrangements. <laughs> okay, so in 2010, when we asked about Hispanic origin, that was not racist. But now, the secretary wants to ask, are you a citizen or not? And that is racist. I, I, really, seriously. Then they talk about this completely and totally unconstitutional, unwarranted, intrusive American community survey. Now, if you want to know about the American concern, community can, can service. Back, can we go back to, to the article in the Constitution yeah, for right just there, a second? Right, 
Right there. Okay. Right there. You said it was very specific. Very specific. I would also say very simple yes. as well. So in a nutshell, count the people so we right. know how much taxes, Come how, from how much the in state. taxes the states mm -hmm. pay to support the federal government. Not how much the and, federal government pays the states. And how much the states pay the federal how many government. How many representatives that the state and people get in Congress. So Which is how irrelevant much taxes, as well. How much taxes, mm -hmm. how much in taxes, how many representatives. Okay, so are you male, male or female, right? Does, does being male or female determine the amount of taxes? or how many representatives you get? No. Are you black, white, Hispanic, Asian? Does any of that, like if you're Asian, you only no. get this many? You, no. Okay. Uh, grants. First off, nothing. there's nothing in Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 that says, count the people so we know how much grant money. Yeah. Count the people so that we can do urban planning. Right. Count the people uh, so that we can do regional planning. No. Count the people so that we can have a social studies experiment. No. Count the people so we can let professors know about different demographics so they can get grant money. The Supreme Court, Robert says, the text of that clause, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3, vests Congress with virtually unlimited discretion in conducting the decennial annual uh, actual enumeration. Un vest Congress with virtually unlimited discretion. No, it does not. JC, and then Roberts flat out lies. He says, since 1790, Congress has sought or permitted the secretary to seek information about the matters as varied as age, sex, marital status, health, trade, profession, literacy, and value of real estate owned. That is a flat out lie. And you can go to census.gov, hit the history bus button. You can see every census question that has been asked since 1790 and Roberts flat out lied. It wasn't until 1820 that they actually went beyond the constitutional, uh, you know, questions. And it's just absolutely ridiculous to me. And so now they say, okay, uh, respondents assert a number of injuries, diminished political representation. What the heck does that mean, JC? If non-citizens do not answer, see the whole question is, if you have a question about citizenship on the, on the census, non-citizens won't answer the census. So if non-citizens don't answer the question, how does that diminish political representation? Non-citizens don't have representation. Non-citizens don't get Political representation. Non-citizens should not get federal funds. Non-citizens should not get federal taxpayer resources. All of this is absolutely ridiculous. All of this is absolutely and completely unconstitutional. And they say, oh, but if we have too many questions, the non-citizens won't answer it. Well, I'll tell you what, the citizens don't want to answer all the questions either because you're only allowed to ask how many and where do you live? That's it. And the whole thing is ridiculous. It is the most, one of the most racist opinions that I have seen since, I don't know, maybe 
maybe even Dread, Dread Scott. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I want to jump right into what Thomas says so we can make sure we wrap this up nice. He says, it is Thomas's dissent. It is not difficult for... Who, who concurred with this dissent, by the way? Uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and Alito. Alito wrote a separate dissent. We're, I hope we have time to get to this. But Thomas says... It is not difficult for potential opponents of executive actions, or political, I'm sorry, it's not difficult for political opponents of executive actions to create great, to generate controversy with accusations of pretext, deceit, and illicit motives. Significant policy decisions are regularly criticized as products of partisan influence, interest group, pressure, corruption, and animus. And now he says... Our process of judicial review looks exactly like political opponents. We have eliminated a perfectly legal action, not constitutional because Congress has delegated their authority to the secretary, which is illegal. We won't, that's a whole different story. But they say he has followed the law completely, but we believe, we have no proof, we feel like something's wrong, right? We feel like something's wrong, so we think it's pretextual. Thomas says, unable to identify any legal problems with the secretary's reasoning, the court imputes one by including or by concluding that, oh, well, he must not be telling the truth. And according to the court, something just seems wrong. He calls this conclusion extraordinary. The court engages in an unauthorized inquiry into evidence not properly before us to reach an unsupported conclusion, an absolutely politically based this, conclusion. Okay, and and here's what's here's here's double insult. Okay, let's be clear: the double insult is the fact that the Trump administration will comply with this. Yes. If there were any court opinion ever that should be ignored in it this should Trump be administration this it should be you, this one you have simultaneously in the same opinion in the first part of the opinion saying nope did nothing wrong did nothing the, wrong the entire case the whole reason why this case is here you're right trump you're right Trump administration, you're right. You did nothing wrong. As but a matter of yet, fact, we've been, the censuses have been doing this since 1820. But, and it's never been pretextual in, since then. And then in the same decision say, but we're going to throw it out anyway because we don't feel like something, something just doesn't feel right. They actually said in this opinion, we've reviewed, we've had more history to review about a secretary's decision in creating a census question than ever in the history of court review. And we have determined that he is historically in line. He is legally in line. Yet, it must be pretextual because it's this administration. 
It is, uh, you know what? I am not a Trump Jesus sycophant, nor am I a never Trumper. I am a liberty person. And this is absolutely ridiculous. Thomas says, the court, I fear, will come to regret inventing the principles it uses to achieve today's result. He says, we have now overturned an entire uh, our entire history of judicial review regarding administrative agencies' judgments. Now the Supreme Court has absolutely no reason to say we defer to the Environmental Protection Agency because that's the way we're supposed to do things. Their precedent, by the way, JC, is to defer to the Secretary's decision in situations where there is no tangible evidence that he has violated the law. When it's a matter of discretion, and they said there's broad discretion. Unlimited. I don't believe there's just yeah unlimited discretion. I don't believe there's unlimited discretion, but that's their opinion. It's unlimited discretion, but guess what? It's pretextual. So we're going to kick it out. Listen to what Alito says. It's a sign of our time that the inclusion of a question about citizenship on the census has become the subject of bitter public controversy and has led to today's regrettable decision. While the decision to place such a question on the 2020 census questionnaire is attacked as racist, there is a broad international consensus that inquiring about citizenship on a census is not just appropriate, but advisable, and no one disputes that it's important to know how many inhabitants of this country are citizens. This is your court, America. This is your court. Completely unhinged. Do you follow the oligarchy or do you follow the Constitution?